Welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. Amen. Well, before we jump in and look at our text for today, I just want to mention that last week we broached a conversation around racism and racial injustice and reconciliation. And I just want to mention that we want that conversation to continue. And as a leadership team, we're, we're, we're thinking, we're discussing, we're praying about the best avenue for that, whether sermons or small groups or some other avenue. But I just wanted to put that on your radar to let you know that that conversation is going to continue. But last Sunday, we began a three-part mini-series exploring the story of Pentecost. And If you weren't with us or if you're new to the Bible, what happened on the day of Pentecost was this was the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the early church with transforming power. And it's just an amazing story. And there's like so much in this story that that we're we're taking this in three parts. And so this is part two, and we're going to continue walking through this story today. And this is also sort of a vision series because this is really sort of a crucial moment for our church as our state begins to reopen and it's just sort of just just kind of a a significant moment and so i'm going to be sowing some vision throughout this series and in particular last sunday i shared some very significant updates for where we are as a church and so if you missed that i encourage you to listen or watch online as there's some significant updates in that Now, you don't have to be a prophet to see that we are living in a time of crisis as a nation. And recently, there was an article in the New York Times titled, America is a Tinderbox. And the opening line says this, the last two and a half months in America have felt like the opening montage in a dystopian film about a nation come undone. Now, I I take it that I don't need to remind you of everything that we've been facing the past two and a half months in our country, that it's just been like crisis after crisis after crisis. And I simply bring this up to set the context to say this simple point, that if ever there was a time when we needed an outpouring of the Holy Spirit for revival and reconciliation and healing, that time is now. I I just really believe that time is now. And I know that one temptation of this moment is just to get almost like overwhelmed and maybe even to shut down, but I really believe that God has an invitation for us in this moment. And I believe that invitation is for us to seek Him for an outpouring of His Holy Spirit, for a move of God in our midst. And so what we're going to explore today is what happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. And through that, we're going to see why we so desperately need more of the Holy Spirit in this moment and what our response should be in light of that. So let me just briefly recap the the context of this passage. So just prior to Jesus' ascension, he gave his disciples an instruction. And in Acts chapter one, verse four, he tells them this. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
And, and what this gift is that he's referring to is the gift of the Holy Spirit that has been promised to his followers. Now, fast forward to Acts chapter 2. Jesus has now ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's, he's ascended to heaven. And where we drop in here, there's this small group of disciples gathered together in the upper room of a home in Jerusalem, and they're waiting. Now for them, this wasn't like a quarantine countdown. They weren't just sort of biding their time. Rather, they were longing for the Holy Spirit to come. And that longing led them to seeking. And in Acts chapter 1, we're we're told that they all joined together constantly in prayer. And so what they do in this moment is they pray, they contend with one voice, with one heart, with one prayer, and they're praying, come Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you. Come Holy Spirit. Would you fall upon us? We need you, God. Come Holy Spirit. And so that's the context where we pick up this story. And as we walk through this, we're going to see two things that come when the Holy Spirit is poured out, both then and now, okay? Two things, and here is the first. The presence of God, the presence of God. Again, the disciples, they're gathered together, and as they lift their voice, out of nowhere, something extraordinary happens. So let's read again, Acts 2, and let's pick it up in verse two, looking at verses two through four. And it says, suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So it's like it just came out of nowhere. It was unexpected. And it says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now note, it says not just on the apostles, but each of them. In verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says they began to speak in other tongues, in other words, other languages, as the Spirit enable them. So what happens when the Holy Spirit is poured out? Well, the first thing we see is that the Holy Spirit brings the presence of God. The Holy Spirit brings the presence of God. So so how do we see that? Well, the first thing we need to notice is what it says here about the wind and the fire. And, And notice, it says they heard something like the blowing of a violent wind. It doesn't say it was a violent wind. It says it was like a violent wind. And then in verse three, it says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And and so, so what that tells us is that what the disciples experienced in this moment wasn't like an early precursor to like a Disney fireworks show or something. In other words, this wasn't like a mere spectacle. Now it was spectacular, but it wasn't a mere spectacle. Rather, what's happening here is something just so far beyond that. Now, if you've read the Old Testament, you will probably recall that wind and fire are actually familiar biblical images. And what these bring to mind is the presence of God, the Spirit of God, and what the disciples are experiencing in this moment is not literal fire or literal wind, but rather sense perceptible manifestations, in other words, something you can experience of the presence of God, which is why right after this, immediately it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what's amazing about this moment, and think about this, is that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would only come upon a select few. Uh, So for example, Moses, 
and the burning bush, or, or uh, we read of how the Holy Spirit, you know, for example, came upon Samson and empowered him in a special way. Now, now there were moments when, in a sense, the, the people of God as a whole had, had some contact with the manifest presence of God, but it was more like at a distance when they saw, oh, you know, the, the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire by night leading the people of Israel through the wilderness. And, and or at Mount, Mount Sinai, there was, you know, wind and fire. And I almost said earth, wind, and fire. That's a band. <laughs> Saw them at a concert last summer, which is, which is amazing. But, but, but what, what's the point? Simply this, that throughout the Old Testament, when God's manifest presence showed up, it often shows up as fire or storm or cloud. And, and, and again, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon a select few but what's happening now is that the Holy Spirit is coming upon ordinary people. And it's like they all uh, are, are getting in on this. And, and His presence is coming upon them and, and filling them. And all of them are being filled with just this extraordinary sense of the presence of God. And so the first thing that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit means is the presence of God, the personal presence of God with His people and I just want to point out in passing that the Holy Spirit, He is not a force. He is a He. He is a person. He is the third person of the triune God. Now, that's a whole other topic. I can't get into the finer points of the Trinity right now. But the first thing the Holy Spirit brings is the personal presence of God, the presence of God with us. And friends, that is such a comfort in this time. I want to share just a story to illustrate. So a couple weeks ago, my family, we were eating dinner, and out of nowhere, my six-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, she said, guys, I think God's trying to tell me something. And so I said, oh my goodness, well, well sweetie, we'd love to hear. Well, what is it? And, and she gave me her permission to share this. But she said, you know, I can't believe this, this is a six-year-old, by the way. She said, earlier in COVID, I, I was really feeling lonely. But when we went on our bike ride, Tonight, we met a family. I think God's trying to tell me I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone in this. Now, that's, that's, that's amazing insight. Can you believe that? And I, I really believe the Lord was speaking to her, but I also believe that He wants to say the same thing in this moment to you, to everyone watching, that you're not alone in this. That Jesus, He came, He went to the cross for you, He rose from the dead for you, he ascended to heaven and he poured out the Holy Spirit so that you would never be alone. If you have put your faith, if you've put your trust, your confidence in Jesus Christ, you are not alone in this. And if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, you can even do that today. And he would love nothing more than to fill you and surround you with his Holy Spirit, to surround you with his presence, to surround you and fill you with his love. And that is one of the beautiful, beautiful realities and implications of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We were never meant to be alone. And God came and He comes through His Holy Spirit. And it's such a beautiful, amazing reality. So don't forget, my friends, that the Lord is with you in this time. Don't forget that. And so the first thing we see is that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, He brings the presence of of God. Now, one thing I want to point out in passing is that this isn't a one and done kind of thing. Now, on the one hand, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit 
is a one and done kind of thing in the sense that once you're, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, He's not going to leave you nor forsake you, the Bible says. But the infilling of the Holy Spirit is something that's to be a repeated uh, process in our lives. And you might wonder why that is. Well, the best answer I've heard is, is this, we leak. <laughs> and therefore, we need to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm just so aware in this time of my need, my, my, just my desperate need for more of God, for more of the Holy Spirit in my life. But not only does the Holy Spirit come and bring the presence of God, what we also see in this passage is that He also brings transforming, transformative power. Now, if you're like me, I'm sure you long for transformation for yourself, for, uh, for those you love, for the world. But what we see here is that it is the presence of God that leads to transformation. Well, how do we see that in this story? Well, several ways. But first, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enable them. And so on one level, we see that the Holy Spirit empowered the disciples to do things they couldn't do on their own. He empowered them for ministry. And we even see here that he even gives them spiritual gifts in this moment. But we also see in this story that he also transformed the early followers of Jesus from people who previously to this, uh, that they were shrinking back in fear and some even as Peter denied him. But in this moment, they are filled with boldness. They're transformed into people of boldness. One commentator puts it like this. He says, the flames on their heads had set fire to their knowledge of God and turned it into passion. In the power of the wind had drowned out all the other voices of doubt and uncertainty. And so every remnant of timidity and hesitancy and weakness is swallowed up in the experience of God's greatness. And a tremendous boldness and courage, he says, was unleashed as they gave witness to the greatness of God. I just, I just, I love that summation. And we really see this in a vivid way in the life of Peter. Think about this. Peter, he had had such cowardice that he literally denied Christ three times. But here we see, Peter, that there's just been this profound change within him and that he stands up and with boldness, he shares the good news of Jesus Christ. And you might think, well, hey, well, that's Peter. But I, I want you to know that Peter was more ordinary than you and he probably had more flaws than you, yet God transformed him to such an extent that he became the rock upon which Christ built his church. What made the difference? The presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just what a moment. What a transformation. What a change. And I know that sometimes we can put the disciples on a pedestal. And, and so it's just so important that we realize that these were people who so often didn't get it right, who fumbled and bumbled and at times were pursuing their own agendas. Yet through the Spirit's presence and transforming power, they are transformed into these incredible apostles who literally went all over the world. Uh, for example, Thomas, doubting Thomas, most likely ended up in India. And there are churches in India to this day who still actually speak Aramaic in their liturgies, the language of Jesus, which has all but died out in the Middle East. And there are all these stories and traditions around how far and wide uh, the disciples who became apostles went. And what we just see here is this, the outpouring of the Spirit's presence 
just transforms these people in a, just a profound way. And just as the day of Pentecost was a, a transformative moment for the early church, I believe that we are in a transformative moment as a congregation. And so the question is, how do we lean in to the work of the Spirit in this time? Because we want the Spirit to keep moving, and, and He is, he, he does, He keeps moving, but we want to continue to be receptive and leaning in to all that He has for us. Now, some of what we see in this particular story is historically unique. So, for example, the, the church was birthed only one time. It's not going to be rebirthed. But what we see here is that there's actually so much in this story that's actually intended to be a recurring experience throughout the life of the church. And so, again, the question is, how do we lean in to the work of the Holy Spirit? I mean, I think the first thing that we can glean from this story is the importance of humility the importance of humility. Now, so think with me. The disciples, they're waiting on the Lord in the upper room. They're unified and they're crying out to God. And what that implies is their recognition that they can't change themselves, that they can't change the world on their own apart from God. And they're filled with a humble recognition of their need for God. And so, so do you have that? Do you realize how desperately you need God? How desperately we need God? And if so, that is a wonderful place to be because the Bible says God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And it's actually we see here in this moment of humility that then the Spirit falls upon this group of people. And this ragtag group of people is radically transformed into the most transformational human uh, organization ever seen in the history of the world, the church, which simply consists of ordinary people who've been transformed by the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say that, that God wants to do the same thing in your life and in mine, and He wants to transform us. And one of the crucial ways that we lean into that is through humility. And, and, and you don't have to have it all together. You just have to be humble. You just have to be willing to be transformed. And so the first way we lean in to the work of the Holy Spirit is through humility. But another thing we need, and this is closely related, is openness. Now, in, in my experience, the way people often approach transformation is like this. They, they approach it like rowing a rowboat. And the basic idea is this. On this approach, the key to progress is you just, you row harder. You try harder. But, but the problem is if you approach life like that, you will get tired fast and you simply won't get that far. Now, and, and part of that's because that, that is a self, uh, self-empowered or self-powered approach to transformation. But the Christian approach to transformation, on the other hand, is spirit-empowered. It is a spirit-empowered process. And what that looks like is actually a lot more like piloting a sailboat. So, so think with me. If you're piloting a sailboat, you still have a role to play. So you're not passive. But what powers the boat is not you, but actually something external to you, namely the wind. And so the key to, 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 to piloting a, a sailboat is, is to position this sail right so it's congruent with the flow of the wind and then you hoist the sail up so that it can catch uh, 
the flow of the wind. And what this illustrates is really how Christian transformation works. It is spirit-empowered, it's spirit-driven, and therefore our call involves two things. First, it involves our alignment with, and second, our openness to the Spirit of God. Our alignment with and our openness to the Spirit of God. Now, we can't make the Spirit move in power, uh, but what we can do is that we can seek Him and we can open the sails of our lives to Him so that when His His Spirit blows, when the wind of the Spirit blows, we are in a position to be propelled forward. That is our role. And as I said a moment ago, I, I believe that we are in a transformative moment for our, our congregation. Frankly, I don't even know fully what that entails, but I know it's good. And as our staff team has been in prayer recently, we believe a question the Lord is asking us as individuals and as a congregation is, are you ready to be transformed by the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to receive what our generous God wants to give you. And He is such a good, good Father. And so we can just trust Him that what He has for us is good. And so the question is, are we open? Because I really believe He's preparing us for, for something new. And again, I don't even know exactly what that means. But, but I am excited around that. And I just think, again, the question for us is, are we ready? Are we open to God doing something new? To God doing a transformative work in us and amidst us? But just to sum this point up, the second thing that comes with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit is transformative power. And as I was praying about this message, I was reminded of the lyrics of a song that we sometimes sing, which is titled Holy Spirit. And I think we sang it last week, but it says this, there's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence, Lord. And I just have to say, friends, there is nothing sweeter. There is nothing more precious than the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's just nothing better. And of course, there's just so much more in this passage and we'll finish the story next week. At least that's my current plan But as we wrap this message up, let me just say this, that in light of what we've seen, how could we not long and cry out for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our cities, in our nation, especially in this hour in the world? Because the Holy Spirit brings the personal presence of God and the Holy Spirit also brings transformative power. And friends, we need that so desperately in this time. So how could we not cry out as a church for more of the Holy Spirit? And I just, again, I just believe in this time that God's call for us is to humble ourselves before Him and and to pray, like the early church, to lift our voice with one heart, with one prayer, to seek His face, to seek Him for a move of His Spirit in our land. And as I I suggested at the beginning of this message, that if ever there was a time when we needed an outpouring of the Holy Spirit for revival, and healing and reconciliation, it is now. And so I just, friends, I want to invite you to join me in that. And there are going to be opportunities. Uh, We had an opportunity just yesterday. We had an opportunity last Sunday to even do that corporately because what we see in this passage is that the early church, they didn't just seek individually. They sought corporately. And I think this is something that God wants us to grow in 
as a congregation, the corporate seeking of God, the corporate uh, seeking of His face in prayer. And so, friends, as those opportunities emerge, I just so invite you to join us in that. Now, in light of what we've been talking about, I just want to create space for a moment as we close, just for us to open our hearts to God as we transition now to a time of worship. So I just want to invite you, wherever you are, just, just to open your heart to God. And you might want to just open your hands upward, just in a posture of openness and, and receiving. But just wherever you are, just invite you just to kind of maybe close your eyes, if that would help you. And just open your heart to God. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we, we invite you to come. We, we just say, Lord, that we're just so desperate for you. We long for you, for more of your presence, for more of your nearness, God, for more of your intimacy, and more of your transforming power in our lives. Lord, give us the grace, even now, just to open our hearts to you, God, to receive from you. So just allow the Holy Spirit to rest upon you. Lord, we thank you for your presence. And as we transition now to worship, I just invite you just to stay in this posture of openness and prayer. So let's just turn our hearts to God. Let's, let's, let's turn our hearts to him now in worship.